Uh, for those of you that are guests, we are in a series that we just started in Second Peter, and so we'll turn there. If you see your notes, we're going to be uh, finishing up, or not finishing up, we're going to be starting uh, in Second Peter verses 4 through 8, uh, and this is part one of a series of growing in godliness, and it's exercising uh, our godliness, and what do we need to, what exercises do we need to do to grow godliness in our life, and, and uh, if you wanted to know that, Peter gave us what we needed. Um, I met Donald, Donald is one of our new attenders, and I met Donald, and he says, well, come in, and and uh, I'll assess you. And I'm like, I don't know if I want to be assessed. <laughs> because you know what that means, right? That means he's going to tell me what I'm not doing. And what that means is also he's going to tell me what I need to do. And that probably takes effort and is going to cause a little bit of pain. And uh, hopefully it leads to a little bit of joy in the long run. And it has. My kids have noticed I can bend down and do some things that I haven't been able to do in for a while. And It was wonderful to teach my uh, nine-year-old how to put on a set of brakes the other day. And and, uh, don't worry, I'm sure the brakes will fail again, so we'll get a chance to remind him of what that is about. Uh, Speaking of reminding of what all things are about, we... You know, we have this Bible study page in there to encourage you to continue to fellowship around God's Word, and so don't want to forget about that. And, and one of those opportunities is coming up this next Saturday in the morning. Uh, we have uh, the men's uh, prayer breakfast and our men's prayer time, and also Bible study time. And it's a great time to spend time together in God's Word, pray for one another, and just uh, have breakfast together and grow together. And so I encourage you men to be there at 8 o'clock. It is early by design. Try to get you out before 9.30 so that way you can get on on your way for me to get back and do some chores around the house and uh, and, and also to be able to be available to help uh, if that should arise. So uh, be doing that. Also, you know that Pat, we've been praying for Pat. She is home. And uh, what ails her is not cured. Uh, She is still in her retirement phase, getting ready to go home to be with the Lord. But she is doing well, pain-free at at this moment and resting comfortably. And uh, and at home with lots of her family. And just continue to pray as she shares the gospel. She's not ashamed of that. She shares it often. Uh, Again, reminded her son of that when I was there praying with her. And so... Just be praying as she shares the gospel with her family that she just wants them to know Christ and to be uh, filled uh, with Christ and not with the things of this world. And so be praying for her. Well, Second Peter, let's pray and jump right in. Ask God to bless the reading of his word and let's uh, motivate right along and, and through this and ask God to bless us through the teaching of the, through the Holy Spirit and his word. Lord, we thank you. Lord, we thank you because our, the teaching of your word doesn't depend on man. It doesn't depend on something that is fallible. It, de- it just It's given to us through the power of your spirit. And Lord, and we thank you for the unfolding of your word that we can read it, we can discuss it, and we can seek you to teach us. And so, Lord, we thank you for the blessing because it gives us a light unto our path. 
And so, Lord, your word is precious. It was there before the world began and is now with us even now. And as we celebrated Christ's death and burial and resurrection this morning, the word of God is a living, breathing Christ. And we thank you so much that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, the only begotten of the Father. Thank you for all that you have given us. And Lord, I pray that this time would be special as your sons and daughters, as we hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hear God's word this morning as we read Second Peter. We're going to go ahead and read for context 1 through 8. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith, of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of God and Savior, Jesus Christ. May grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may by through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and with virtue, with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful, in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's quite a mouthful of a passage, both for our brains and for our hearts, if we stop to consider what is there. And that's what I want to do. I want us to make some contextual observations as we get into verse 5 today, and we look at what is it talking about. In preparation for this, as we look at real closely at God's word and what Peter gave to the church, and we begin to realize and understand from the context the implications because of the false teachers that had began to enter in that we talked about last week. Think about this. Peter was a man that walked with Jesus for over 30 years. And he's talking about having a strong spiritual, close attention type relationship with the Savior, with God. And so kind of think about that. And in in thinking about that, how about thinking about it like this? Because people ask me all the time, "Well, well, Pastor, how important is it for me to know that I am growing in my relationship with the Lord? Or do I really need to exercise these things that God tells me? Is godliness really that important? 
It's kind of like your doctor telling you. Imagine if you went to your doctor, and you know what your doctor always says. Doctor always tells you, no matter who you are, your doctor always tells you that you could be doing something a little bit better. I've never seen or been to a doctor's visit where they said everything in my life was perfect. It just doesn't happen. It's kind of like your doctor telling you to eat a healthy diet in order to have a healthy life and then giving you this pamphlet that reads this. Ten important diet facts. Number one, if you eat something but no one else sees you eat it, it has no calories. We had this kind of diet plan, by the way. When, uh, when I was younger and doing youth ministries, we used to have all a bunch of church members over to our house every Thursday night. We called it No Calorie Thursday. And uh, we'd eat whatever we want. And we even had, an, you know, we had a Jewish lady, and she'd come, and she'd even eat the bacon uh, that we served. Because it was No Calorie Night, and it didn't matter what we eat, because nobody else saw it. And we were playing games, you know. Number two. On the list, it says, when drinking a diet soda while eating a candy bar, the calories in the candy bar are canceled out by the diet soda. <laughs> Number three, when you eat with someone else, calories don't count as long as you don't eat more than they do. Foods used for medical purposes never count. Hot chocolate, toast, you know. You go to, the, go to Jell-O, you know what I'm talking about. You go to the hospital, you know. Um, number five, if you fatten up everyone else around you, then you're going to look thinner. Number six, movie-related foods do not have calories because they are a part of the entertainment package and not a part of the personal fuel package. I like that one. It doesn't seem to work, though. Those donuts I consume while watching a movie, they, they end up hurting me later. Literally. Number seven, cookie pieces contain no calories. Think about that one. <laughs> I just let my kids eat the cookies. I just pick up the crumbs, right? Uh, late night stacks have no calories. The refrigerator light is not strong enough for the calories to be seen all the way into the calorie counter. If you're on Weight Watchers, you know what I'm talking about. So number nine, if you are in the process of um, preparing something, food licked off of knives and spoons have no calories. Peanut butter on a knife, ice cream on a spoon, you know what I'm talking about. All right? I, I think that's why my family now takes the, you know, the cookie batter things and gives them to the kids. So. But number 10, food of the same color have the same number of calories. Examples are spinach and pistachio ice cream, mushrooms, and white chocolate. Chocolate is a universal color and may be substituted for anything else. Now, if I went on a diet based on those ideas, do you think it would keep me healthy? Because the idea is to be healthy. It's not about weight. It's about being healthy. Now, would I be healthy? No. If I want to be healthy... I need to do something about it. I need to watch what I eat, and I need to exercise, right? Two main components. We laugh at those ideas because they sound utterly ridiculous. But in the same way, if I want to be healthy as a believer, we need to evaluate what we think health 
is when it comes to growing in godliness. I want you to challenge, I challenge you to think about that. As pastor, I've heard a lot of ideas of what makes you healthy as a believer over the, over the last 20 years. It's been amazing the different ideas that people have in order to be healthy. I'm not going to mention them, but I want us to think about that as we go into this series of growing in godliness and realize how important this is. Observation number one about what we're seeing here. Peter is writing to those who are saved about their sanctification. He said those who have attained their faith, right? Verse one and verse two. And not to the unsaved about their salvation. This is about people who are saved and now need to keep growing in godliness. Number two, Peter calls for diligent, disciplined, lifelong effort on the part of the Christian. That's found in verse 5. Peter is calling about a diligent, self-disciplined, lifelong effort of being a part of the Christian life when it comes to growing. Number three, the Christian efforts are based on the sovereignty in God and on the sufficiency of his provisions. Did you notice in verses one through five that he gave us everything? Verse four, gave us everything that we needed for life in godliness. Everything. Every provision has sovereignly been supplied to those that have been saved through Christ. That are saved by faith, by his grace, right? Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. Uh, number 4, in verses 5 and 7, contain a list of qualities for which God has made provisions uh, for which every Christian should strive. Do you realize that every provision that you need to fulfill the list that is given has been provided for? And that's the cool thing. God has given you the ability to do the heavy lifting of everything that is in this list. When you look at this list, you may be overwhelmed, but remember this, everything you need has been supplied to the believer to do this. Number four, the character qualities we are to pursue are also the character traits of God. Why are these important? Because these are the qualities that are in, we, we see in a holy God, right? These are not just random things. These are things that come out of his divine nature. Remember in this divine nature that he's giving us everything for? It, that's the qualities that are listed in 5 through 8. I think we're at number 6, yep. Peter gives us a list. This list is unlike any other list in scripture that deals with godliness. It doesn't compare to the Galatian 5 passage or the 1 Timothy 6, 11 passage. This also implies Peter's list was compiled for a particular reason. And I believe that reason, because of the context of the whole book, has to do with the distorted view of Scripture in the false teachers that have been infiltrating the church then and, I believe, now. Number seven, observation number seven, a Purposeful order in relationship is evident in the list of character qualities in verses 5 through 8. There's a specific. Did you know the, the and and with? 
Did you notice that, by the way? And if you look at it, go, go to verse 5. It says that make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue. And then it says, and virtue with knowledge. Did you notice that two characteristics are combined together and then there's an and to connect two other qualities? That is by design. By the way, uh, in Greek and Hebrew, uh, they have a lot of poetry that are that way. It's called the stair-step, the stair-stepping kind of qualities. You can't have one without the other. Okay? So some of us try to do one thing and say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm focusing on this right now. Well, if you are, you need to make sure that you're doing the other qualities as well. You can't jump up five uh, flight of stairs uh, and just do one thing. You're going to trip over the stairs on the way up. Um, I, I'll tell you this by design. I was back in my youth pastor days when I had a lot of knowledge, but wisdom was in short supply at the time. Uh, Lyle just learned. Uh, I was running up the stairs, Jesse, wherever Jesse is. Uh, I was running up the stairs, and I decided if I jumped up the whole flight of stairs, I could catch the student I was running after because we were playing a game in the church. Uh, games in church can be sometimes brutal. I jumped up the stairs knowing I could do it. What I didn't calculate was the beam that was across the front of the stairs. To this day, if you go to that church, there's a dent in, in that beam from my forehead. And then I knocked myself out by landing on the back of my head as I fell flat. Yeah, it was not pretty. Luckily, I didn't cut myself. Uh, I don't know how that happened because I put a dent in it. Here's the thing. We can't short, we can't do, there's no shortcuts in this. It's very purposeful in the way that it was written. And we need to take note of that. And here's the thing that we run into as we're doing this. This is what I want you to get. There's three main things. There's two main things that lead up to our character qualities that we're going to look at uh, this morning and for the next few weeks. Knowing God has, knowing what God has done and that He has done His part is so important. Verses one through four shows us everything which God has done. Knowing what God has done is so important. And that is this, his good, his good leads to our faith. Did you notice in verse 1 and 2 and 3, it talks about his righteousness? It's by his righteousness. Our salvation is not by our righteousness. There is none righteous, no, not one, the Bible tells us. It is by his righteousness. Knowing God has done his part is so important. His good leads to our faith. Also, it's his peace and His grace through our relationship with Him. When we enjoy peace and graciousness, it's because of what He's done. It's not because of what we've done, which leads to, by the way, it leads to His power to enable us to live in eternal life. Right? It's, it, when it talks about there, when it says, by which He has granted, in verse 4, by which He has granted to us His precious and very great promises, and He and he talks about all of these things, it's been given to us because, he, it's his, because of his divine power. It's been, he's given us everything. He spared not nothing, <laughs> right? Double negative. He didn't spare anything. He gave us his only son to die in our place. 
God's power, his omnipotence, his, his, all of his power, his, all of his knowledge is available to us. Whatever we face in life, it is there. And it's enabled us to have eternal life. The other thing that is, his power has done is to give us the ability to live a godly life. His power has been given to us to live the whole godly life. That's the most important thing. Everything we need for life has been given to us. When we put godliness with the preposition that in verse 3, the idea is that the whole Christian life has been given, everything we need has been given to us in Christ. From eternity, God thought about us in terms of his complete power. So he set up a trust fund. (laughs) His trust fund contains many spiritual assets to be operated in our life. God provided in eternity past, through eternity past, every blessing we require for this life that we've been given right now. Think about that. That's why he said, John 10.10, when Jesus said, a thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come to give you that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. It wasn't about being rich and having no pain, no nothing. That was not, it's that everything we need to get through the life is supplied to us through Christ. He doesn't hold back. That's what he's talking about here. It's important knowing God has done his part is important. So by faith, we need to make a priority to do our part. You see what it said in verse 5? For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith. This is a, this is a, a huge statement. What he's talking about is making it a priority in our life to live the godly life that has been supplied to us. The Christian was created to grow, verses 1 through 4. We must grow and not just talk about it, right? We can't just say, yeah, I'm going to grow, I'm going to go to church, I'm going to sit there, I'm going to go home, and I'm going to do everything else. I'm going to keep talking about the importance of growing. We actually need to make every effort to make it a priority to grow in godliness. Uh, Supplying, it says there, to make every effort means to giving all diligence, to take it seriously, to put forth an effort, to make it a priority is literally what the Greek word means there, to make every effort, to make it a priority. It's a priority that's eagerly done. Uh, Some of us in our family eagerly run out to take care of the animals. Others kind of saunter out to deal with the animals. Some of us are eager to see the animals grow. Some of us are eager just to make sure they don't die. Right? And and, uh, some of us have both of those put together. God wants us to eagerly desire to grow. He created us for that reason, to have a relationship of eagerly growing with him. 
In fact, this is what James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26 is talking about. Just turn over. If you turn back a few pages, you'll land in James. Don't go too far. If you go, you'll go too far. But just go a couple pages back in your, in your Bible. If you have a large print Bible, it's a few more pages. If you have a small print Bible, it's just a couple. In chapter 2, verse 14, he says this. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? What is he saying? He's saying, hey, if you say, hey, yeah, I put my faith and trust in Christ, but I don't have to act like a Christian. Now, what's, this is important. This is what's going on in the false teachers of the day when Second Peter was written. This is also starting to go on again with the false teachers in our day today. We don't have to act like a Christian. And he says, what good is it if one says he has faith, but he doesn't have any works? Right? He says, can faith save him? He asks an interesting question. If and then he goes down and look at verse to skip, and it goes down to verse 18. Just for time, he says this. But someone will say, you have faith and I have works. You know, oh yeah, you have faith and oh yeah, I have works. But listen to what he says. He says, show me your faith apart from your works and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well. Even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Look at verse 22. It keeps getting better. You see that faith was active along with his works. Talking about Abraham. And faith was completed by his work. Verse 26. For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. Now, what is he saying? Peter is saying the exact same thing in our text here about faith and our growth in godliness. He's saying the exact same thing. What he's talking about is, he says, to put something alongside something else. Make every effort to supplement your faith. What is he, not, what is he saying is, is we're, he's not saying that we're saved by works, because we're already saved. We've attained a faith, verse 1 and 2. We're already saved, he's saying here. What he's saying is, is that He's describing that we're putting something alongside of our faith. Put your faith to work. To supplement something is to make it work better. Verses 1 through 4, Peter describes how we got our faith. Verses 5 through 11, Peter describes what we are to do now that we have faith. Now that we have faith, what are we to do? Well, he says, make every effort to prioritize your godly living. Well, God has done all of this for me. This is what I want to do for him now. I want to give him my best effort. So we need to understand what is he asking us to do. That's where we get in. The exercises we need to prioritize for growing in godliness. Peter says, here is a list of things that you need to do in order to grow. So the next few weeks, we're going to look at all of these by twos in which they were written. Let's go back to verse 5 of our text. So we've been granted our faith. We've been given our faith. God has given us everything we need to live the godly life. And so now he's saying, this is what I want you to exercise. 
I want you to make every effort to do this, to add this to your, to your faith. Not, this doesn't save you, but this actually supplements your faith and helps live the godly life that God has created you for. And he says, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And that is this. God wants you to prioritize or prioritizing moral excellence. That's what virtue is. Moral excellence. It refers to living our lives in a way that would honor the Lord and bear a positive witness for Him. Here's a, here's a big thing, though. Uh, you cannot produce moral excellence without faith. Right? If you have no faith, and this is interesting, how many people, how many people that we are witnessing to, we expect them to live with moral excellence, but they'd have no faith in Christ. We wonder why they struggle. That's why when people swear in front of me and then they find out I'm a pastor, they always apologize and say, that's okay. And they're like, what? It's okay. And I was like, that's all right. Let me tell you about Christ. And after you meet him, then it's not okay. <laughs> right? But it leads me into the gospel. It's a great way to share the gospel. I don't, I'm like, I, I don't expect you to be any different. I expect you to live according to the world standards. Right? And it's, by the way, used to be not okay to curse. Now it is okay. You hear it all the time. We can't produce moral excellence in our life without faith. It comes by obeying God's word. If you look at Psalm 119, it tells us every, all the important things about God's word. All that it does, it brings health, it brings it does all these things. It provides the ability to live morally correct in God's eyes. Not according to the world, but in God's eyes. Oh, by the way, it means having the qualities of Jesus in my life. Luke 19, or I'm sorry, Luke 9, verse 23 says, Follow me, right? Don't follow the things of the world, but follow me. By the word, the word follow means to follow somebody's coattails or to follow somebody so close that you give them a flat tire do you know what i'm talking about right some yeah i see a couple giggles out there right my somebody tried to give me a flat tire in my family just the other day what it means is you follow so close that you actually step on their heels and their shoe pops off that's what we call a flat tire and uh, so and, and then you have to stop and put your shoe back on luckily i was wearing crocs so it didn't matter whether they gave me a flat tire or not i was already flat but here's the thing. Uh, we are supposed to follow Christ so closely that we have, when he turns, guess what we do? We turn. We don't see the world. We see Christ. If we're prioritizing moral excellence, it can't be produced without faith. It comes by being obedient to God's word. And it also means to have the qualities of Jesus in my life. That's what Second Peter, that's what Paul was telling Timothy. In 2 Timothy 1.13, he says, Follow the pattern of the words that were given to me through Christ. Okay? It also, it allows the world to see the divine nature of Christ. When we are seeking God's moral excellence, we're seeking a life that's patterned after him, the people around us see the difference. I love what it says in 1 Peter 2.9. It says, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, 
a holy nation. By the way, royal priesthood, priesthood for everyone to see, a chosen race, a holy nation, a people of God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him. By the way, that word excellencies there is the same word for virtue. It's his moral excellencies that we're patterning our life after. It's so that way everybody can see God's excellent virtue. Is, does people see the virtuous God, the morally excellent holy God, because of your life? Now, he's not saying that you have to be perfect. But he's saying that you will become this way if you're patterning your life after him. By the way, it has to be practiced daily to have any effect. You can't just do one moral activity and say, I'm following, and now I'm, I'm living a moral, excellent life. No, it has to be patterned after God. A pattern means constantly working. And that's why Philippians 4.8 uses the exact same word. And it says this, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of a good repute, if there is any excellence, same word, virtue, and if there's anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. By the word dwell means continually do them. Verse 9 is so cool because it says if you practice these things, then the God of peace will be with you. They have to be practiced. I guess it's number two. We have to pursue, make it a priority to live, to prioritize living a moral, excellent life that's patterned after God's word so we know who God is and following Christ closely. And we have to practice it daily. We have to prioritize knowledge. Well, pastor, what kind of knowledge are you talking about? Well, the word here means insight. It refers to knowing how to handle day-to-day situations. Understanding or wisdom. Knowing what to do and how to respond to a particular circumstance in life. We need to pursue knowledge. And, And if you haven't guessed it, guess what? Guess what you can't have You can't have this kind of knowledge from God if you don't have virtue and if you don't have faith. One flows out of the other. You can only be developed with moral excellent presence. This ability to know how to handle all the circumstances thrown at you in life can only this knowledge of how to handle it can only be developed if you are living with moral excellence as a priority in your life and you're trusting in Christ. Your faith is in Christ. The fact that he has given you everything you need. I want you to think about that. Sometimes we try to figure one without the other. You can't. Uh, Colossians 1.9 tells us, and so... From the day that we have heard of their salvation, Paul is talking about a Colossian church, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking that you may be filled with all knowledge. Well, what kind of knowledge? Just smarts? Well, no, he gives us the definition of knowledge. The knowledge of his will, God's will, in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. This knowledge, and by the way, this word knowledge here in Colossians 1.9 is the same knowledge as in our text. Knowing how to 
to live in an understanding way. I like what Paul says to the Corinthian church in verse 14. He says in verse 20, he says, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Right? Now, you remember, God says we all must come to him like a child, but not in our thinking. Right? People today want to be childish in both faith and in thinking. We, but God says no. It says, uh, be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. When it comes to evil thoughts and evil things, be like infants. Don't know anything about it. Be ignorant. But in your thinking, be mature. Same word as in our text for knowledge. Can only be developed with moral excellence presence. Also, again, comes as we obey the word of God. And also, knowledge knowledge is obtained by walking with Christ. Most react to situations. They react. Instead of responding with knowledge attained by walking with Christ. When we do what Philippians 4 says, 4 4 through 9, and we walk with Christ, and we give our thinking to Christ, and we walk with Christ, we're obedient to His word, we actually do it, God produces a wisdom and an understanding on how to deal with all the situations in our life. This is what God wants us to grow in. He wants us to be mature. He wants us to seek moral excellence in our life. A lot of people seek moral excellence, but with no understanding of God's will and knowledge. As you would guess it, it enables us to live a practical Christian life. Right? And the last one, and the last one here, and that is this. We have to act on it. You have to act on it. This is what God wants you to prioritize in your life. This knowledge that comes through Christ, that comes through obeying God's word, that comes through living a moral, excellent life, that's patterned after God, that we see in God's word, that comes by our trust and faith in Christ. It all flows backwards. And as we close, listen to his words once again as through the power of the Holy Spirit in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 through 7. Finally then, brothers, we ask and we urge you in the Lord that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. Make it a practice. For you know... That should be a clue. Know that what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus Christ. This is a knowledge of wisdom that came through Christ. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. The opposite of moral excellence. That each one of you know, same word, how to control his own body in holiness In honor, moral excellence. Not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God, uh, that no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter, because the Lord is an avenger of all these things, 
As we told you beforehand and solemnly warn you, for God has not called us for impurity, but to holiness. Are, what are you practicing? What is the priority in practice in your life? Is it a life of holiness? Moral, practice, moral excellence that's based on God's excellence? Or is it patterned after the culture around us, the, um, the cultural excellence? Is that not what he's talking about? Is your knowledge just an under, is it based on the knowledge of God and not the true understanding of how to live your life in this world? God has given everything. Don't forget that. Everything you need is being given to you by faith is graciously allowed to be applied to your life. We don't deserve it. We have a merciful God. Are you acting on that? We can't just say we know God. We have to act on who God is. And that's our challenge today. Where are we at as a body of Christ? Where are we at individually in our walk with God? Are we prioritizing living the godly life that he has given to us? But don't worry. He has given you everything you need to do the heavy lifting. He'll do the heavy lifting if you're obedient to follow through with what he tells you to do. Let's pray. Lord, we are only here because of what we celebrated. We are here because of Christ, because he died for us, the holy God who came, who always has been and always will be, that was begotten unto us, this Christ, who died for us and then rose again and through the shedding of his blood and through the resurrection, conquered death to give us life. And he provided what we needed, a payment for our sin. Because our sin has separated us from you, Lord. Our unrighteousness, our inability to be right, keeps us from you who are holy. Lord, you are holy. You are set apart. You are far greater than all we can ever imagine. And we needed someone to cleanse us to pay for our sins so we can have a a right relationship with you. That was done through the gift of Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and then rising again according to the scripture, according to your promise. Lord, we thank you for that very great and precious gift. Lord, I pray that right now, if there's anyone here hearing this, that they would realize it's not knowing about you It's having an intimate relationship with you through Christ. Lord, I pray that you would use your spirit right now to open someone's heart, to realize that they need a Savior, that they are dead in their sins, and Lord, that you would awaken them, and that they would realize right now that they need to give their life to you and say, Lord, I'm a sinner. Save me. And they realize what they have in you. And Lord, may we be the bride of Christ that seeks to be pure in your sight. That we're always seeking to be more and more excellent in our walk with you.
that we'd have more and more understanding to be trained by your knowledge, your excellent ways, your word that would give us life to every circumstance that we face so that we don't react or overreact, but we respond according to your grace and mercy that have been applied to us. Lord, whatever decision that we need to make this morning, I pray that that we would make it. That someone today would get saved from their sin. That they would call upon the name of the Lord and be saved. They do it right now. They wouldn't even wait to talk to me or talk to one of the other elders. But Lord, that they would make that decision right now to call upon you and be saved. Confess their sins, Lord. I pray they do that. They realize that they don't know how to get to heaven. And Lord, that you would save them this morning. The rest of us, I pray that we'd act on what we know and live the life of godliness that you provided for us. That we have an all-sufficient Christ, a Savior, who gave us everything we need to live the godly life. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name.